Stupid Hearts Club is yours to enjoy for free wherever you get your podcasts. But if you've fallen deeply in love with the show, or me, even though that's a bit weird because we've never met, then you might want to consider supporting the show via patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club for about five or a month you can indulge in your sick little fantasy that i am your very own little audio husband friend without ever having to deal with the fact that in real life i leave socks and half drunk glasses of water everywhere either way i'm very happy you're here so please enjoy the show Hearts Club podcast. This episode was recorded while my podcast was still called GSOH. Don't be confused, you're in the right place. GSOH. Good sense of humor. The new podcast by Nico by Nico to te- by Nico Tatarovich, where he sh- tries with talks to people with talks to people with a good sense of humour. G S O H. Well, hello, um, sods, pod sods. I'm trying to think of a name for my lovely followers, uh, patrons, friends. I don't know what to call you. I'm not going to say fans at this point. That'd be a bit much. Um, for a man sitting with a laptop on his couch, both tits out, one bigger than the other. We've established that. Um, yeah, as you, some of you may know, didn't put an episode up yesterday, and I'm sorry. But also, yeah, it was a bit of a weird week, broken up with a little trip to Brighton. Um, and then I got back, and then I was really, I felt really ill. I I think I ate a dirty piece of food from from what looked like a lovely um, European-friendly snack emporium, but uh, I know what happened. I saw this ham. It wasn't even ham. It's just that whatever that isn't ham that that they have, and in those places with with like speckly, but it wasn't. It wasn't mortadella, it wasn't Italian. I'm not going to start name-checking countries as if it's a country's fault. But let's just say it was some sort of rustic, pan-European, chunky, weird-shaped bread roll thing that was just sat on the top of the counter really casually with a sort of tongue of ham stuff sticking out of it. And I can remember thinking, oh, that's nice. That's just been sat there for hours, like olden times. And I sort of almost, I walked into it, really, at that. And then and then it came to claim me as its own at about two in the morning. And I was awake. There's no horrible details here. I'm not going to get 
scatological. But let's just say, because I'm an emetophobe, which means when you're scared of being sick, when I eat something that I should then throw up, instead of just throwing it up, what I actually do is I go into a sort of magical fucking slipstream like Baby Yoda in Mandalorian where I close my eyes and take myself to the far reaches of the universe where there's no such thing as stomachs. <laughs> and I, I just pray away the idea of nausea. It's my least favourite thing in the world. And what I, the thing that usually worked quite well for me, this is going to sound a bit weird, but if I put cold water on myself, right, which in, in the easiest form is just on a cloth, like a, just a wet cloth, keep dabbing that, basically sponging myself down madly, even if I'm in a toilet situation. Um, I have been known to even sit in the bath and put the cold shower on myself. It's almost like the cold shock takes over from the nausea. Anyway, there's a little <clears throat> glimpse into my Thursday, and... I was already a little bit behind because I didn't have a guest this week and I thought, well, I'll do a show on Friday morning and upload that. Friday morning was a write-off. Um, and then I managed to get through that and then slept for most of the day. But then I didn't have the heart to cancel my inaugural Stupid Hearts Club paid acoustic background music extravaganza um, that I was doing in a local bar, so I actually made it to that, even though it might not have been that smart an idea because I was sweating out of my forehead just as I was leaving. But yeah, I made it, did it, and I'll come back to that one. That's interesting. But for now, I thought I would give the impression of a man who is seriously in control of his podcasting. So here's something that to make it sound slick like I'm Stephen Colbert or Trevor Noah or something right here coming up on GSOH um, some uh, stuff that I've not planned we're gonna be catching up on the subjects of everything that has happened or could happen and some things that are funny with my sense of humour. And then we will all have finished listening to the podcast. Coming up! This is my mouth. Okay. So, mmm. <laughs> Hope that's whetted your appetite. Where shall we start? I think I should just start by... Uh, expounding upon what I kind of said in the week, which is I've not been feeling that great. I think I said this last week. I said it on Matt's podcast, actually. If you don't follow Matt Morgan and you do follow me and you like us chatting, there is another place that you can hear me and Matt Morgan, and that's on Matt Morgan's podcast, which is also on Patreon and is a lot of fun. I just did the thing that Matt tells me off for. I just banged the table that's got the microphone on it. He's not here. Fuck him. <laughs> Chess whistles. <coughs> anyway. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to fucking moan about it, but I think it's important in moments of 
stretched mental capacity and lowered um, spirit to just talk about it in this day and age because especially for the benefit of other men specifically who don't talk about how they feel I think you know apart from just the fact that I've always been an open book and I never fucking shut up and I'm usually talking about myself sorry sorry everyone apart from that I think there's a lot to be said for talking things through and I'm not shy I've got various friends who will know if I'm not having a great week or day or month or whatever and um, I hope that everyone out there does the same thing a lot of people bottle it up and that does not lead to a good place, um, as we all know. The statistics of men harming or killing themselves are ridiculous. And, um, yeah, sort of men under 50, isn't it? It's like the biggest killer of men. Uh, I'm not going to this place, by the way, because I'm planning to do anything silly. Um, but I, I'm always in mind of... Um, what it must be like for other people because I feel like I get off fairly lightly I mean I, I have my existential moments and I've got a busy old head but when I ever I feel a bit down I think about other people I know that struggle and I know that no struggle is the same for any two people and of course it's not not just men by any means god but um uh if you are a bloke and um whenever you get the vapors or the misery or the the black dog or whatever you want to call it it's just i think it's just really important to chat to your mates let them know how you're feeling good mates will check in just have a fucking moan have a fucking moan my lovely agent Lygia, my writing agent who's um this is how professional this relationship is she just phoned me from the bath <laughs> to have a chat with me on Saturday night. Now that is not what you call keeping it in the office. <laughs> I could hear I could hear the water lapping on all sorts of things I shouldn't have been thinking about, but I couldn't help it. Now Elijah is one of my best best friends now, which you get so you get some people in in the biz going, Oh no, oh no, you can't be friends with your agent. You can't be friends with your agent, you've got to keep it really professional and They've got to see you as a commodity, and you've got to see them as a resource management system. Well, sorry, but I haven't got enough other people in my life who I can rely on as friends and sort of people who've got your back um, to, you know, to not be well on board with um, crossing the streams We've even been in the same place on holiday at the same time. I don't know why I put it like that, as if I didn't want to say... Well, don't, well we didn't go on holiday together. Nobody should think that. But um, I took my child to where she was with her child, and it was absolutely all above board and appropriate, and nobody got drunk or swore in front of each other's children. Cheers. I'm going to have a unprofessionally have a sip of my drink, which is alcohol-free. Mmm, brought to you by... This podcast is unofficially brought to you by me drinking alcohol-free beer. In fact, it's, it's, um... I'm, honestly, this is not paid or, like, advertising. Actually, it sounds like it is, so I'm gonna make... I'm gonna pretend that it is. Hang on. <laughs> 
Okay. When I'm sitting at home wishing that I could drink beer but not get drunk, because it might not be the best thing for my mental health, I turn to Nanny State different alcohol-free brew dug beer, the hoppy ale that has no booze, booze inside it. There you go. I worked in advertising for many years, in fact. Um, Christ. Um, you know, you never really leave. That's the thing with advertising. You never, ever leave. Because the phone could ring and someone could say, Hi, we were just wondering, um, are you available? Uh, yes! I'm available. I'm always available. What what do you want me to do? What do you, whose dick do I need to suck to get a pound? There goes the beer again. Um, I used to work in advertising. Not proud of it. I came out of art college and went into advertising because it was something that my mum understood was a job. So it was like, what are you doing fucking farting around at fucking art college? Oh, no, mum, you know, I'm not farting around. I'm learning, you know, like graphic design or whatever and I know it's like I was lazy and then ended up being a copywriter and then uh, lo and behold it's like wait a minute I'm not a comedian or a rock star I'm in a regional advertising agency writing a catalogue about forklift trucks I'm wait a minute I'm not a superstar DJ or a sex god I'm translating German copy about the benefits of various forklift trucks into English from badly translated German to English and it's the funniest thing I've ever read but I'm only being paid nine grand and I've got to eat a mouse for my lunch because I'm so poor so yeah um yeah my, my formative career years were in various fairly unglamorous um regional advertising or marketing agencies in Manchester and it was not glamorous but I worked with some brilliant people who are still my mates and uh, yeah I remember that so I did yeah did a did a forklift truck catalogue I did uh, I used to do adverts for fruit machines for a fruit machine trade press Barcrest Barcrest the Fruit machines, the very best in entertainment, booze-based gambling. Um, set your phases to order with this new exciting title from Barcrest. Yes, it's Star Trek Odyssey. The most fantastic rewiring of our other games with a new glass panel on the front since Das Boot. <laughs> I also wrote a it's my favourite one to look back on of the shit advertising. It's not even advertising. It's like, oh, anything I might have seen? Any? Oh, you didn't do the uh, shake and vet, did you? Oh, you didn't do the uh, Guinness ad with the horses, did you? No. I wrote a little catalogue with an accompanying letter to old ladies for chunky zip shoes. <laughs> Beaconsfield chunky zip shoes. Now available in Newburgh. Leather, pleather, and pleather and Newburgh and leather. Yes, it's a lattice crisscross, which will hold your puffy feet <laughs> and make you feel secure from the puffy ankles downwards. Call today, or our people will call you. They literally will phone you. And another one was um, Jip Rock 
British gypsum plaster panels, right? So when if you do up a house, you buy a shit house, and you go, oh God, the walls are fucked, so it's going to need plastering again. And one of the things you need to do is put board up before you then plaster over the board. Imagine trying to think of adverts for a big grey board <laughs> just that no one will ever see that's hidden behind your wall. There's never been a better time to buy 20-fold big plastic grey boards to put in, on your walls because that's where you need them. These are the best ones. Rest assured that they will perform to a high standard and meet your wall-to-floor-to-ceiling needs. Please, please use this product. So that was British Gypsum. And another one, probably the sexiest advertising I ever did when I was up north, was for a blowfly treatment for up cow's asses. Mmm, <laughs> Mr. Draper, um, sorry to interrupt your martini session and having sex with your cool secretary, but um, I could just do with running over those blowfly cow's asshole hats <laughs> that, you're, that you're doing for nine grand a year. Um, yeah, advertising's pretty fucking cool, hey? Hey, shall we just go and get drunk and all have sex? Um, no thank you, my life is rubbish. So that's what that was like. And yet, happy times. I love looking back on that. Love the people I work with. Love rolling our eyes at how un um, Madison Avenue the whole thing was. And it was actually bloody hard. It's not easy to think of um, ads. And it gets a lot of stick advertising. Sort of quite rightly in lots of ways. Because it's fucking just everywhere. And it just can't escape the fucking thing. But it's not easy to do so spare a thought for the poor bastards that shovel all the shit that comes through your door and in direct mail and trade press and fucking just someone's got to try and make that stuff interesting to someone and then some idiot is always saying no we don't want that much so it's not an easy job take my hat off to them uh, gentler times as well yeah, sorry, just have a sip of me, um... Alcohol-free beer from BrewDog. Yes, and Honey State has got 26 calories in it. That was the master plan to get rid of my tits. Now, the music wasn't long enough for this advert. That's why I don't do advertising anymore. Just kept getting the length wrong. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, not been feeling super good. Um, I think I really need a two-week holiday reading books and just fucking sunbathing and then sleeping well and having a little swim and then walking up to the little shower and showering the sand off your feet and then going back to your sunbed and then moving it a bit and all I've just not done that in ages how do people feel I'd like to see in the comments has anyone have people been going away I feel a bit weird about jumping on a plane and going somewhere partly because I think well what's the fucking point it'll get ruined by covid changes but also like am i being a bit naughty doing that like going to these countries and we're all telling ourselves it's all right to travel again but are we just germ agents like i don't know maybe i should get over it and just fuck off somewhere who am i talking to myself of course 
Okay, so last night, as those of you have been following um, my um, Patreon, may know that I went and did my inaugural Stupid Hearts Club acoustic set in a local bar near me, and I will say, overall, I would say it went bloody well. It actually went bloody well, thank you. People were singing along, having a laugh, waving their arms, throwing stuff at me, give me the Vs. Um, one person got their trousers off and rubbed, like literally rubbed their really close up, just really grabbed my face and shoved my nose right into his anus. And all the others were laughing and throwing beer at me and everything. It was great. It went really well. And I'll be doing that again. But um, no, it actually did go well. And But it was a little bit scary. I wasn't in the best shape because like I said, I've been ill. I just thought I can't let them down. I can't let them down. I want to. I want to go and do this gig, so that the the bloke who runs the bar says, "Lovely, we'd like to book you for the whole summer season at the end of the pier." So I got in there. I walked in. It's always a weird thing. You sort of forget this bit. You walk. You go to somewhere. Go. I'm gonna set up my gear, and there'll be like three people there, and then I'll sort of strum a bit, and it'll quietly. People will drift in and take up tables. I go. Oh look, there's, there's um. There's background music on. That's nice, isn't it, uh, Stephen? What you what, love? I said there's, there's background music on tonight. That's nice, isn't it? There's a local musician in the corner. Well, where shall we sit? Because I don't want to listen to this moaning cunt. Um, and so I thought that would happen, but instead I arrived with all my gear and the place was already fucking full of pissed people who look like they've been drinking since about two o'clock and the cheesy chips were fucking flowing the vibe was um what's the word where somewhere it's like a good atmosphere but it's also a bit like whoa a bit tired because it looked like people have been having a good old drink and when people are in that mood where it's just like way come here you know headlock so i walked into that and thought okay i've got two hours of ballads up my sleeve and I got set up and then um, for the musicians amongst you I know there's a couple of people out there who are musicians and there's some people who've busked busky buskers who, who do busking so there might be a little bit of gear chat to be had about that because I've got a Fishman Loudbox amp and it sounds so lovely but then in that bar, it was just like, oh, God, it was like trying to talk through a fucking paper cup. Wasn't enough. I need to sort my rig out, as they say. So that, you know, when you do when you do live music anywhere, the number one thing, in my opinion, that uh, makes you feel odd is that it doesn't sound like the sound that you get when you're rehearsing, which might be like you've got big headphones on, you've got all your reverb and whatever, and you basically have got your eyes closed and you feel, you feel like you're you know, fucking nailing Wembley, and then you get to a venue and you plug in and you start playing, and the main thing you can hear is people laughing and chatting, and because it's not like I expect people to stop what they're fucking doing in a, in a bar and listen to covers, you're just background music, but yeah, it's a bit weird, because you then have to go, oh god, yeah, right, okay, I'm playing over this, so it's a bit like, um, if you get in your bed and put the duvet and the pillow over your face and then start singing 
you know, oh, people can't hear me properly. There's a duvet over my face. So um, that threw me a bit. So I got started, did a few tunes. And I love the difference between the fantasy of performing when you want to go and do stuff like music or a gig or comedy or anything. The fantasy of how it will be and how it will go and how well received it will be versus the very instant reality of what it really is. And it was so cute because basically there's a really old man who has a mobility scooter who's in that bar cafe every day who's a bit deaf, but he likes to say hello to you, but you can't really hear what he's saying. And he was sitting with his wife, who just... I'm not even sure she was a live person. It just was like a sort of um, lovely old lady just looking straight forward, like almost like a mannequin, but cute with like little old lady hair and a cardigan on. So I didn't want to like frighten them, you know what I mean, by like banging these songs out, but they were the nearest the stage. And there was a couple of others. There's uh, another old geezer who turns out to be the owner's son, and he's right into it. Everything I do, he was basically being my my hype man. He was just going thumbs up, thumbs up all the way through it. Every song, thumbs up. Oh god, yes. And he was filming it. Yes, fucking yes. Keep going. Whatever. Everyone else just chatting, ignoring it, and I'm feeling a little bit self-conscious about the sound. And then I just relax into it a bit lean back, get into the tunes, and it's going pretty bloody well. So then I have a little ten minute break, um, uh, upon which I'm given, hello, a free bowl of chips. <laughs> so this rock and roll lark is not shaping up to be too bad at all. And I get back up, second part of the set, hello, this is where I've made backing tracks on GarageBand with a beat, some of them have got bass, some of them have got harmonies on, and suddenly Hello, feet are tapping, some heads are nodding, your old man, thumbs up, my 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 older, even older mate, gets a thumbs up, he's going, what was that, what was that? I said, that was the Beatles, and he said, was it? Was that the Beatles? I went, yeah. So, he knows who the Beatles are now, only, you know, he's only fucking 80 odd, but uh, keep up mate. But, uh, so that that was going well. And then, um, and then I moved on to, I've got like literally karaoke tracks. Some of them I'm playing along to because I know the chords. And then it's like, fuck this, I've stopped being cool now. Before you know it, I'm fucking doing Barry White. I'm doing fucking Roy Orbison. I'm doing Amy Winehouse trying to sound like a... <laughs> Even though I'm an old man. And th by this point, they're going fucking mental. There's fucking people are knives and forks in their hands, banging the tables, stamping their feet, singing with each other, ketchup bottles as microphones. It was like Glee. It was like a, you know, a small country village version of Glee. And I was carried out of there, head high, and they threw me up in the air, and we all went to the Chinese chippy. No, it went well. It went well, and I really enjoyed it. And what I love about that feeling is you you feel really, really good. So it really cheered me up, and I, I wasn't feeling ill then as well. But but it's how low the bar is for me <laughs> to be to feel like I've I've got my you know my attention seeking has been sated by basically entertaining 
a bunch of strangers and especially like the lovely old guy and all that like it really really made me feel good that it he he was into it i mean he turned his hearing aid off but uh and started reading a book but no it was it was great and i'll be doing it again um what's been lovely about mentioning music stuff on here is that what you get with patreon that you don't get maybe on a a normal podcast platform is that you are a community and you do say hello to me and I'm already talking to a couple of uh, a handful of people really who you who themselves do creative stuff and music and some, someone sent me an illustration the other day and someone else sent me some music Chris has sent me some music yeah one of one of you Chris Chris I don't know if to say your name in case you, I, I can't remember which name you go by on here but seriously some talented people out there and in this day and age just sort of putting yourself out there and then talking to other people and then arranging little projects and doing creative things and all that that feels like a big part of what I want to why I want to do this and really make it stick because it's just really interesting where things can lead to and I think that is a universal thing across the world at the moment with Patreons and OnlyFans and, you know, things like Etsy shops and um, crowdfunding and all that kind of thing. It's just really super interesting um, way of finding people who might be interested in what you're doing and you, you're interested in what they're doing because without that, you are just kind of hoping to bump into people. And so, yeah, long may that stuff um, continue... Well, so far, this is going really well. Coming up, me saying more things without me having any idea what they are, even one second before I say them. Yes, it's a man on his own, in his house, trying to entertain people because he is now financially obliged to them, even though he is mentally drained. <laughs> Let's get on with the show. Um, guys, when you yourselves are feeling knackered, laggy, down, just like you're not firing properly, I'd like to uh, see you talking about what are your go-to behaviours. Like, we all know that good sleep, exercise, healthy food... Cutting down on booze, not having fags and drugs and things like that. I'm talking about self-care, all that stuff. Um, but yeah, and the other thing, yoga, which I started doing a while back with uh, Rachel, who is one of the patrons. Sorry, Rachel, you know, I had to back out because I had my fucking neck injury that meant I couldn't do that. So then a spiral started where... I wasn't doing me yoga because I can't, because I'm injured. And then all sorts of other things have gone wrong. And it's like fucking dominoes falling. But I know what I've got to do to get back on track. But what do you lot do? I, the thing, the thing, the first step that always gets me back into, say, recovery mode after you've sort of hit the wall a bit is, and it's very instant, instant thing, this. If I make, when I make 
a big vegetable doll that's going to last three days in a big pot, I immediately sort of hit this. It's like I change gear or switch frequencies into vegetable-eating, peaceful, loving guy who actually is totally in control of his life and is more than able to plough a furrow back to mental wellness, bodily health, and tit shrinkage um, that only in a few weeks from now, me having eaten this one dal now, I will probably be um, back on the yoga, drinking exclusively fresh coconut juice. Yeah, it's pretty likely that um, within two hours or so of me eating this vegetable dal, I'll actually be able to um, stretch my body so well that I can actually bend down and put my face actually behind my anus through my legs and actually just look up my anus and have a really good plow around up there and make sure that everything's working as it should be and keep that spine moving and my neck will probably just get better because I don't know if you know this, but edamame beans and uh, butternut squash, which are two of the main things in my doll, are actually really good for rheoflavins and um, vitamin B flavonoid um, ions um, that really loosen up the spine there and really help you get in touch with um, your real height. You know, because when you're down, I don't know if you know this, but if you're all hunched up like this, you see, um, a lot of us um, who've had dysfunctional upbringings and who suffer um, quite often with overthinking, um, actually four or five inches taller than we realize. But because we're so shrunken and gnarled, um, people think that we're only, I mean, I am actually six foot one which is quite tall, but in but in effect, I'm probably, if I wasn't such a bound-up, miserable, tight, semi-depressed, ADHD nutcase all the time, I'd probably be like seven foot. Seven foot of willowy, vegetable-eating, really cool, hippie guy. But instead, and I realized that six foot one is actually quite a decent height for a man, the thing is, I, I have the look of a man who, because of the shape of me, because I look like a kind of sack full of bad eggs, um, that kind of makes me look like I'm only four foot three. And people just see me in the little hangdog expression and the gravity that's pulled my eye bags down. And the same, of course, with my nipples. Um, it means that people are always really surprised that I'm tall when they meet me because, oh man, I thought you were like a miserable little shrunken little Yoda man whose muscles are made out of kind of like beef jerky or biltong or something, uh, or like, like a man who's been preserved in the ground for 2,000 years and dug up and put in a museum because you are not the picture of health. Um, but that's when I always say to them, yeah, that is the old me from from up to like yesterday or just two hours ago but since then I've become vegetable dal guy and in a way I probably could not eat meat or anything bad for me ever again because I could probably just eat dal and rice and a little dollop of mango chutney and my alcohol-free beer here every night forever and just be really healthy all the time. Mm.
nothing goes with a smug vegetable doll like nanny steak, brew dog, alcohol-free, pussy-ass beer. I actually think I, I still love certain drinks, but I think I hate alcohol. It, it fucking hurts. It just hurts. One drink, two drinks, I'm, I'm loving it. Three drinks, I'm hoping I don't have to have another one. Booze, the feeling of booze, now that I drink so much alcohol-free beer, the feeling of booze after a few drinks actually makes me feel slightly scared and regretful immediately, like, oh, God, now I can't, I couldn't even get in a car if I wanted. Now I'm slurring my words, oh, no. Now I'm throwing a glass across a pub. Oh, God's sake, I'm pulling my trousers down in front of all these people and these children are eating here. What am I doing? I only came here to have a good time and, oh, I'm crouching down and I'm doing a poo on the floor and now the police are coming. Oh, what are you doing? Why didn't you just drink alcohol-free beer like you do at home when you're all healthy and your tits shrink and you eat dal? Now you've gone out just for one night, for God's sake, and now look, you're, you're jumping over a fence and the police are running after you. And you've not even wiped your bum and it's all pasty. Your two bum cheeks are rubbing against each other because, because you're so horrible. I'll tell you something now. If they cracked alcohol-free wine actually tasting like good, like wine, I think that'd be it. Because I could drink this beer all the time. It just needs more pubs to have a couple of the decent alcohol-free beers on um, draft. And not just have, oh yeah, let's have a look. We've got one. We've got Heineken Zero in the fridge. That's the only one we got. No. Alcohol-free beers, there's fucking loads of them. They're really interesting. Some of them taste really good that it's like totally good enough that you're not even missing having beer and I think especially um, through periods where you're trying to sort yourself out um, we should be massively promoting this um, I think it is becoming popular I think over lockdown I feel like a lot of my mates have started um, saying that they love it but then again all my mates are also aging men aren't they not all of them you know what i mean but most of them all the ones that have said yes to come in on my show so far let's address that just want to say i promise in the long run there will be more women um but it's the story of my life basically i am reaching out and they are not getting back to me. Story of my life. Hey, hey, are you a lady? Um, hey, I've just got a proposition. Bye, bye. Yeah, hi. Is that uh one of my female friends? Yeah, it's me. It's, yeah, okay, no problem. See ya. Um, hi. Um, you are a really successful female comedian. I am. Yep. Okay, you're busy. Bye. That's how that's going. But there's definitely some uh, brilliant, funny ladies lined up, um, ready to come on the show. It's just sinking diaries, man. I think the next person who isn't a lady, I think I'm going to get Matt Ford on, who I'm working with on Spit and Image. And also Al Murray wants to do it. But um, a brilliant woman called 
Verona Rose, who is brilliant. She's on Instagram, and she is in lots of things, sometimes with Donna Preston, who is also very funny. She's a really good laugh, and them two are doing really well. They're on some kind of ITV2 dating thing at the moment, is it? I don't know, Secret Crush? Sorry to sound ignorant, girls, if you hear this. They're both fucking funny. I've been in sketches with both of them and um, separately for a wonderful little company called Mother's Best Child, who are top lads, who I should actually I should get them on at some point as well. They're really interesting guys. Got a little production company um, going that they made out of kind of reacting to stuff and doing daily kind of like meme, almost meme-based reactive comedy bits, sometimes with graphics, sometimes with special effects or animation or and and they've also um they've they've also worked on loads of TV shows and um so that they, they did they got a commission to make a load of pieces of content for Channel 4. So instead of making a TV show, Channel 4 were going, hmm, maybe we can make comedy that just flies out on social media and that can be packaged up with a name and that's a way of getting a comedy idea across, which actually worked really well. And it was called the thing that they did that um, just to just to tie up what I'm saying together. Um, Mother's best child got commissioned to make a thing. They called it the bait, right? So it was like a logo, like B the at sign it the bait, and so they they made like twenty odd thirty sketches with lots of cool people in them. And the idea of each sketch was that because it's not going to appear like on a comedy show where you go, I'm watching a comedy show, it's just going to be put out there as a clip and they all look like kind of um, documentary style clips. So they all actually look like they are almost like a trailer or a hint at a larger documentary about various subjects. So they did one that was... Yeah, wait a minute. I've actually found the website and I will drop the link so you can have a look because it's on comedy.co.uk. Loads of the videos are there, which is cool. But they all went out basically on Facebook, TikTok, all that. So all these pieces of content have gone out and a lot of them are really good, actually. Um, three that I was in, one was about a group of people called Phallic Earthers, which is like a flat earther, but we believe it's like a documentary about people who believe the earth is shaped like a cock and balls. Um, there was one where I was an, um, a nice debt collector, which I'd actually forgotten about, but there it is. Um, looking like I don't even fit into my coat because I got so fat around the arms. And I also did one recently where I portrayed a man who has a service like a kind of sex kink fetish dungeon to work for people who like to be treated like they are a kebab. So I was basically like a kebab shop owner <laughs> in a room where there's like a big sort of pita bread that they lie on and like a spinning grill thing that they stand on and then they then they lie down and I shower them with salad and <laughs> mayonnaise and stuff like that, right? And it was real, genuinely uncomfortable doing that. The, the the lad who played the man who likes to be the meat is a really nice lad, a really good actor. But he was really convincingly into it. And everyone was, and when people, my mates saw the sketch, which flew around TikTok, it's probably the most people have ever seen me do anything. 
It's called Getting Paid to Be Treated Like a Kebab. Um, yeah. Anyway, so thank God my kid hasn't seen it yet. But some of his mates have seen it, or like friends of the family, going, I've just seen you um, <laughs> being a kebab, a kebab pervert. Was that, what's, what's that? It's like, oh God, that was just, a little bit of filming I did a few weeks ago. It didn't feel like it was that big a deal and no one would see it, but it's like tens of millions of people <laughs> have seen me in the most degrading thing. Thank God I was the kebab shop owner bloke and not the one on the floor getting mayonnaise on his eyes because um, that may have been a bit distressing for my child to, to have to put up with. Um, other videos that they made, loads of brilliant people, YouTuber that eats 3,000 meals a day. A man that believes he's seven foot tall. Is climate change a good thing? Um, so, yeah, they've got like a, a, a guy um, putting out fucking stupid opinions just to make people angry. Is it right to milk men? Is there a conspiracy against gingers? Uh, a tragic love life tour. <laughs> That's a good one. Making hospital waiting lists fun. Um, a thing about ending other people's relationships and a really, really cool one where Paul Danan that was in Love Island that used to be on Hollyoaks did a thing about whether Christmas was offensive and what the whole point of these videos is is that they put them out and then the comments underneath the videos uh, sort of tend to split down the middle of being about 50% people knowing it's a joke who may be finding the sketch funny but will be finding whether or not they find the sketch funny which often they do what they are really finding funny is the amount of people underneath it who are genuinely angry and think that all of these sketches are real now that happened to me with the cock earthers one <laughs> the cock earthers one my mates found on on facebook where someone had put the video and there was just people just fucking laying into me left, right and centre saying, this is exactly what's fucking wrong with the world. People like him need to be fucking sterilised. And, worryingly, let's let's rehash the theme just one more time. I need to let go of this because this cannot be my fucking tag, right? But one comment under the Cock Earthers sketch was, classic example of a paedophile. <laughs> why why does that keep happening but anyway it's a very funny sketch that one where we're holding like dick and balls made out of papier-mâché and um we're we all talk about our belief that the the world is a cock and bollock but yeah it's a really interesting way of um i worry about sketch shows you see because sketch shows have not are not fashionable anymore in comedy because it takes a lot of money to keep moving the crew and to go to different places just to film a thing and whatever and that's the sort of excuse if you like that's used to not make sketch shows anymore but in my opinion some of the best comedy this country's ever made is sketch comedy going back years and years and years and the point of it is that you get to muck around with a bunch of people and you will get you will usually get two or three proper long comedy careers out of any sketch show that's decent. So, in my opinion, that's a small investment to make for, you know, fucking how many years have they got out of Walliams and uh, um, 
Matt Lucas and like the people from Big Train, you know, like Mark Heap, Simon Pegg, Frost, all these people that are, you know, Smith and Jones, um, all these people that um, came through Sketch. And Sketch is still where people come from in comedy anyway. You know, like most of the people out there doing live interesting stuff or videos of their own you've got to start with sketch because it's achievable you can do short funny things and get an idea across and it's just super it's just super creative and super sort of convenient as a form and and it's so satisfying when it's done well and uh, i think it's really sad that we've lost the will to invest constantly in good sketch comedy uh, for TV on this country but the bait is proving that maybe there is hope for sketch outside of the confines of a TV channel as long as someone still makes it possible and people get to see it and then see faces that they like and then possibly those faces then you know someone sees it and says oh he's funny she's funny they're funny whatever let's put them in another show or cast them in another thing and I just think it's really important. So, yeah, enjoy some of those sketches. I've not watched them all. There's so many of them I haven't watched them all by any means. But they are a really fun thing I have been part of lately. And it's weird because now and again I've talked to the guys that did it and gone, oh, um, you know, is there any talk of, uh, you know, like it could be broadcast on TV, actually, put them all together. And, and yet, weirdly, it's like, well, I have to tell you, audience, you know, there are, there are lots of, people out there we love in comedy and they get a tv show and it's like they've spent their life trying to get a tv show and it goes out on whatever channel and the viewing figures can be in the tens of thousands you know like actually at this point hitting hundreds of thousands is kind of seen as a bit of a victory um it's a strange thing because obviously now and again something comes along and it's a big hit and you get you get big audiences but they the the TV comedy audience in this country isn't isn't the biggest audience by by a fucking long way, man. And yet, in my opinion, the appetite for humour in this country is huge, and um, we all share stuff with each other every single day. I think almost everyone universally is sharing funny content. So um, it's a strange time for trying to work out where all that goes and they they do all they have always said haven't they that sketch is a young person's game i can see that i can see that and obviously uh as a writer myself as my brain's got a bit deeper and i've under started to understand narrative a bit more you do find yourself wanting to um clear the space to write something more long and profound but Actually, you know, I fucking love short-form comedy. I really love short-form comedy. And I know that a while back, um, I seeded a little bit of a thing with a character, Alan Crisp, that, I, that, uh, that I've that i sort of come up with. I'm not... Um, I haven't forgotten him. There's been a lot going on. I've been trying to get this started. I've been trying to get the music thing started. I've been trying to get on with just the job stuff that I have to do and some sort of personal stuff. Alan Crisp is he's the one thing I've ever thought of where I could use him to do regular short-form video content. And as we get towards the end of the year, as we get into autumn 
and this is um, starting to become a bit of a well-oiled machine, apart from my little blip of putting an episode out late. Um, I definitely want to be making some content with Alan because he's just a... He's really just fun to be. And I've never really had a character before where I've kind of just uh, feel like I'm just in the groove when I do it. I kind of really... I've always been really jealous of people who've got... And I'm not putting my money where my mouth is right now or overstating because obviously I've got... You've got to earn it. You've got to earn it. You've got to, like, make the stuff and it be funny. But I've always been jealous of people who have um, stumbled upon... And you can only stumble upon a proper character. I can... Like, honest to God, like, I, I know loads of people who are brilliant and funny and whatever, but actually stumbling upon a character that people get giggly about and want to see, um, it's a fucking hell of a trick to pull off. I mean, I remember hearing Al Murray on another podcast, so I will get him on and try and get him talking about this. But he um, described on my friend, another friend's podcast, the moment where he just needed a thing for stage when he was uh, doing Edinburgh, I think, with Harry Hill many, many years ago, and they and they were they they were in a venue, and he just said, "Oh, I'll just be the landlord," and fucking pub landlord was born from him just having to do a thing to fill some gaps in between the thing. So that's kind of that's that's magical in my opinion. Um, and then I've got friends like Colin Holt who I've not spoken to for a while. I'd love to get Colin on. Um, he's got man, many funny characters over many years, but Anna Man. When Colin Holt does Anna Man, he think, he goes he goes he transcends himself and goes into some unstoppable sort of version of his um, of his character of his own character where he's so quick and he's able to be quite cutting. Um, and he's able to weave stories and just make shit up and just keep going and never fall off the horse. It's a fucking joy to behold. One of the one of the best things I think I've ever seen in comedy is Colin Holt doing Animan at Moth Club. If you've never been to Moth Club, Moth Club is um, in um, well, area is that? Is it sort of Hackney? Um, it's worth finding it online, Moth Club Comedy Nights. They are fucking great. That is where you will see a cavalcade, as it were, of top talent at the moment, some of whom are getting on telly and some of whom are just sort of like starting off Edinburgh-type acts, more and more of this sort of avant-garde, slightly wacky and weird character sketch, you know, left-field comedy um, run by a friend of mine, Rupert. Magendi, or I still don't know whether it's Magendi or Magendi, but he has been putting that night on for years, and it is the gold standard of a of a alternative comedy sort of uh, not. It's still stand up, but it's not like a traditional stand up night. The gold standard. You will see all sorts of cool people on that. So now that that's sort of up and running again, get yourselves following um, that. I think the other thing is knock two bag. Which is a strange. I've never really worked out what that means. Not too bad, but synonymous again with Rupert and brilliant nights. And you know, it's exciting that people are able to go out and perform again. And uh, at this point, I don't have a context to go out and perform. I think I'm always using it as an excuse now. But this sort of ADHD journey that I think I'm on explains why I haven't stuck to live comedy. But 
this format of just fucking being here and being able to just waffle on um, is sticking for some reason. But I do think it's not unthinkable that I could end up doing a bit of Alan on stage at some point once he beds in. But yeah, my target is not to do everything at once. Alan Crisp will be... Um, I'll, I'll start warming him up again end of the summer, autumn, and we'll have some fun with that. Well done, Nico. It feels like you've really pulled this podcast round from really struggling to work out what the fuck you were going to talk about to getting on one about the comedy industry. It makes you sound kind of like you know what you're talking about. You are a professional funny guy, and you've got a good sense of humour. Yes, I have. I know! That's why I said that! Just then. Okay, so I am not going to do, like, three hours, two hours, even an hour and a half. I'm keeping this one a bit short. Um, I hope you're cool with that. I'm going to make sure that I've got a guest this week. I'm going to rack up a few. We'll get some good lols going. I can't wait for you to meet my mate, Michelle, who... Um, isn't in the comedy industry, but I think is as funny as it gets. And but she she does do music. She's got a really interesting music career. So I can't wait for you to meet her. I'm gonna see if I can get her this week. I might. I'm just gonna grab whoever I can record when I can, and then probably then just put out different shows in different order, um, to keep things ticking. And I am definitely super aware that we've not had a, a female guest yet, and I'm trying to fix that. I promise. Girls, please, please unblock me. Please unblock me. Turn turn off turn off your fat middle-aged man filters. I'm harmless. I'm just cuddly. Guys, please come on my show and help make me not look like I only know other men and that I'm a big sexist wally. I'm not a sexist wally. Loads of my mates are girls. I've got loads of girl mates. It's just that not all of them are in the comedy industry. Help me out here, guys. I don't mean guys like that. No, I didn't mean it to sound sexist. Stop throwing your shoes at me. There you go. So, yeah. I am going to fuck off in a minute. So, what I'm going to do here, I hope this doesn't go down badly, but I think I've made a little decision for the end of the show about, you know, like how I'm putting a little bit of music on. I don't feel like strumming and singing, but I've got shitloads of little rough tunes that I've recorded over the years, and that um, you know this new little habit of ending on a song. Uh, I'm in two minds. I'm going to do it, but I'm in two minds because I was going through some songs earlier, thinking, oh, what would be sort of fit befitting of the week? And obviously, the thing is, I, you know, as I've said, I've sort of been feeling a bit off and a bit down. And I thought, oh, then I could put one that on because I wrote that when I was really depressed. And I think, well, isn't that just fucking depressing? But then I've just thought, no, it's not fucking depressing because I'm saying, um, look, it's okay to, it's okay not to feel okay, as they say in the Samaritans ads. And uh, I really am not, you know, in in that bad shape. But it just reminded me that um, music actually is a beautiful thing when you're down. You know, like, obviously people write songs about things that have made them sad all the fucking time. I've got shitloads of them. 
and they and they it ends up being a joyous thing because you've you've done something with it you've done something with it you've explored it you've admitted it you've got it out and then you've been creative with it and i don't know like art wise i've always loved modeling art i've always loved first person stories that are that i really relate to as a, as well, we're all the first person aren't we but i really relate to first person literature like lots of uh, murakami stories where watanabe is just this sort of guy f- flitting around kind of not really knowing what he's doing and stumbling into odd little surreal netherworlds in between long bouts of just being feeling out of place in the real world and all that and uh, a lot of the music i listen to certainly over lockdown but way beyond that is um i have my moments where you need upbeat up for it music but uh i find it very soothing to listen to maudlin music whether it be cinematic instrumental uh you know kind of soundtracky music or piano stuff and ambient even just ambient synth sort of music just fucking yeah just like that kind of low groove kind of thing and uh you know you've obviously got your classic i love a sad song and it's um you know like you're kind of that's that's what a lot of my set is built on isn't it of of uh, the of the stupid hearts club thing is uh, there's some great songs out there that um are beautiful and profound and are and are fun to sing but are coming from a slightly sad place um i think i need i think i would love leonard cohen from what i've heard i would love him um i'm not really sure where i would start but i guess these days on spotify you can just dive in really and find a few songs but um one of my go-to maudlin complex mood things is there are certain radiohead songs that just fucking massively do it for me and none none more than how to disappear completely by radiohead and a few of the others like exit music for a film and oh what's the other one street spirit fade out which um it's really difficult to play the riff for that actually but it's beautiful it was in it wasn't in um Romeo and Juliet, and I and I didn't really have that. It's funny with Radiohead. Radiohead, at the time when it was like first into like my indie stuff and Oasis and you know all this sort of fun kind of Manchester bands, um, Radiohead would have been still something that you almost I would have almost seen at, at the time as more like oh, that actually students in it, like in fucking Radiohead, smoking roll ups. Fuck off. But I really fell in love with Radiohead over time. And yet, criminally, there are still some quite big Radiohead albums I've not really delved into. Like Amnesiac and that other one. Anyway, the reason I mention that is because once... It's fucking old, this song. I'm going to put a song on at the end. And the one I'm going to put on... um, For me, it's one where... um, I've actually made a bit of an effort at this point on on GarageBand to muck around with some sounds. Now, I don't consider myself at all adept at recording, mastering, mixing, producing, any of that shit. I just don't feel very confident with it. But this is only a rough uh, GarageBand thing, like I said, but I put a little bit of effort into putting an atmosphere on it it because it was a maudlin song, and it came out of... uh, I think 
it must be a good 13 years ago that I remember just having this really low mood where I think I had I think I had some really scary dreams like about jumping off a fucking cliff or something right and I'm not being I honestly this isn't like a warning sign or um a cry for help but yeah I, I remember waking up thinking fuck Jesus that felt really real and then the next day I wrote a little song in you know down in the dumps misery song and um I was going through some songs earlier thinking I want to put something in here that is basically an admission of uh, the mood of the week and I thought is this a bit too miserable and I thought no fuck off what's the point of ever having recorded this song if you can't say when you're feeling a bit gloopy gloopy that's an interesting word um now's the time so uh i hope it doesn't fucking depress you what i would say is life's fucking great embrace the fucking dark work with it make art out of it push through it talk about it and beat it because i tell you what keeps you going is fucking people and you lot have literally been so ace the last few weeks and um it just reminded me the other day when a couple of messages came through from a couple of people some where we're talking about doing music some just being nice because they've laughed at the podcast or whatever i just go oh geez this is like and honestly the, the opposite of i think a lot of depression comes from when people feel disconnected like they're not connected to anything i'll tell you now this little journey of being on this podcast feels like being connected to something bigger than yourself and bigger than um, anything to do with ambition or wanting to be fucking well known or anything like that it's just fucking load of people being nice connection guys is the answer to any depressive state I promise you and also getting help if you need to get help go and get help don't ever be ashamed I had a lovely Lovely, one of the patrons checked in on me the other day saying, are you all right, man? Do you need to go to the doctors or whatever? And it's like, actually, I'll keep an eye on it. I've been at the doctors before with downers. I think this one's all right. I think this is sort of tiredness and injury-based, if I'm honest. But um, that's the kind of stuff, people looking out for each other like that. Awesome. So keep your chins up. I'll keep my chin up. I will be back next week having hopefully had a proper giggle with a guest and do you a slightly longer episode. I hope you also enjoyed the bonus bit of Sick Minds content that I put up yesterday. I have got a few more of them that I will drop, probably on the back of Griggs being on again. I sort of don't want you to go off and find it because I want to be able to share with you, like, oh, wait till you hear this or blah, 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 right? So, yeah, I'll get Griggs on again soon as well. Uh, he's the one thing, however low I feel, I always know I'm above the weasel that is Alistair Griggs. So then I'm all right. Anyway, I'm going to love you and leave you after this reasonably short little poddles. We've all got each other. I love you, and I would like you to, uh, if, you, if, it, if you think it isn't going to fucking make you jump off a cliff, please enjoy a little rough demo of a song I wrote probably 13 years ago, and it's called Evil Minds. And I ain't going to lie, there is more than a bit of an attempt to to channel the atmosphere of a song like How to Disappear Completely. 
So if there's any nerds out there going, oh, I can see where he's got that little wobbly, strange, dying pelican sound just to the left of the mix, um, you will be right, because I was just dicking around thinking, how do I make this song feel like a confusing, swirly, bad mood where you're not quite in control of your thoughts? I've even put in a little animal sound, <laughs> which makes me laugh, but also feels right. Yeah. Get into the vibe, baby. Let's get let's go down the dark rabbit hole together. I love you guys. Enjoy the song. This could be the end of me completely. I could see the only way beneath me. Look at all the colors on the ceiling.
remember, if you love the show in a deep and probably unhealthy way, you can help support it on an ongoing and stalky basis on patreon.com forward slash stupid hearts club. Uh, your choice. See you soon, you internet weirdos. I'm, I'm one.